You were employee number 30 at Facebook. You worked with Mark Zuckerberg and you talked about how he was hyper-focused. He had just one objective initially, and that was to grow engagement and to grow the user base in Facebook. You've now used a similar approach to spearhead the growth of several businesses, not least of which is AppSumo.com. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that, about focus and how you've used it and what advice you have for our listeners? Yeah. So here's the simplest answer. If you don't say no at least once a day, you're not focused. This is Brian Clark from Copyblogger, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is the Chief Sumo at Sumo.com and AppSumo.com. AppSumo helps entrepreneurs grow their businesses fast. Before starting at AppSumo, he was an employee at Facebook. He was employee number 30, in fact, and he was employee number four at mint.com. His site, okdork.com, spelled okdork.com, has excellent growth hacks and excellent strategies which help entrepreneurs grow their businesses using content marketing and various other strategies. He talks about his successes and failures with a lot of honesty, and I find the site to be fantastic, which is what made me want to reach out to him. I highly recommend it. So I'm pleased to introduce our guest today, Noah Kagan from AppSumo.com. Welcome, Noah. Great to have you on the show, man. Ash Roy, everyone. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's an honor, Noah. Just in our pre-formal conversation, we were talking a little bit about video, and you were asking me why I'm uncomfortable about doing video, and I was and you said we should talk about that in the podcast. So let's do it, man. Let's talk about how to be more comfortable with doing video. Well, I, I think the whole point is how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And not just because everyone else is doing video doesn't mean that you should do video. Right. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think in general, it's good to do uncomfortable things. It's a, it's a muscle that you can practice and get better at. Yeah. But I also think it's figuring out where, where, do you, or where are you playing games that you can win? Like sometimes in business, I think people are doing things because others are doing it. Yeah. I'm like, well, I should do it too. But it's like, well, why? Yeah. And then also, are you doing things that you have an advantage in? Yep. So I'm a, I'm a horrible writer. Like if you've ever read my writing, I have the grammar of an ESL student. Oh, okay. And I'm not an ESL student. Uh, English was my first language, not my second language. Right. And so I'm a better speaker. So I should really be spending more time speaking and find people that are better writers to work with me. Yeah. I mean, wh why, why have you found it hard? self-consciousness i just don't feel i've lost my hair so i don't like how i look without my hair and you know all that sort of stuff so i, I can't really put a finger on it but it's just general discomfort around being on video i have spoken on stage and i've been told that i speak well and i should speak more and that is one of the reasons i wanted to do more video and i also think it builds trust quickly and so on i've interviewed a few people on video but i have all these podcast episodes that i've interviewed people on videos some fairly successful people but I've been very reluctant to publish a fair few of them. So, in fact, most of them. Why is that? I just feel like I need to edit it properly and make sure that it's engaging enough for the audience. And, you know, I don't like the ums and the ahs and just a general level of discomfort around presenting something that is not good enough. I mean, that, that sounds like one of those bigger questions about when are things actually good enough? I, I've noticed this with a lot of businesses is that 
uh, we're always like, oh, I need more things. I need this. I need this. Or I, you know, a lot of people starting businesses, I've noticed too, they want to keep reading information. They want to listen to another podcast or read another book or watch another YouTube before it's finally ready. Yep. And, uh, you know, the bald thing is, is kind of a similar thing where, you know, I was always uncomfortable with my hair. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times I'll wear a hat. Yeah. Like if you've ever seen me, I'm pretty much always wearing a hat. Yeah. And when I started shaving my head, uh, two things happened. One, I went to the girl I was dating and she's like, you look the same. Let's go have sex. I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, okay, we're not going to, she's like, we're not having sex. I was like, oh, okay. But like my girlfriend, my girlfriend now is like, you look great. And she's like, I don't want you to have hair. And on the flip side is that when I started shaving my head, it's like, I can't grow my hair is not going to, I can, you know, I can use a marker and draw it in. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, I can control my, like shaving of my head. Yeah. And so I should control the things I can control instead of being a victim of it. Right. Okay. So it's about bringing it, having the right attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because I think you can, you can read some blog posts or something about, oh, just bring your confidence. And I, I do think there's something there about faking it till you make it. But in the reality of life, it's still hard. It's still hard to like go somewhere and, you know, you're feeling a little self-conscious about it. Hmm. Uh, so the bald thing, I don't know, maybe for you, like, do you have, like, do you have a wife yes. or a girlfriend? Yes, I have a wife. So who even cares how people look then? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she doesn't. She, even, yeah. yeah, she probably thinks you're a total babe. She's like, oh, my little ashy, you know? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Dude. I, I think it's, it's like a, it's like a muscle. I think with a lot of these things, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I was thinking about recently is like, what was once hard is now easy. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you want to speak publicly, if you want to get your business going, if you want to go on dates, sometimes it seems so daunting. Yeah. Like I, I and this is a stupid example. You're going to hate it. But I, I was so scared of doing this mountain bike hill. There's like this little hill. And I was so scared to roll over it, to mm-hmm. actually roll over it. And for I went there four times to actually go over the hill. And on the fourth time, I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to fall even if I do it. Yeah. And I did it. And I just was like, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> I, oh, I can do anything. I'm the, the best person on earth. <laughs> and uh, what happened was that now I do, I've done it now like 10 times since then. And I'm like, oh, that was so easy. Why was I scared? Right, right. So I think the key message here is it's about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is what you said at the start. Well, and I think that's easy to say, but I think when people are listening to that, it's like, yeah, but I'm still uncomfortable. So I think the overall message that I've learned for myself is that I just go practice being uncomfortable. Specifically, let's do a few examples. One, you know, go do a high five challenge. So next time you walk somewhere, try to high five one person. Really? Right? Just high five. One. Oh, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. Why? Because you don't know these people and yeah. you don't want to get rejected. But once you get a high five, you're like, oh, okay. No one cares. Okay. Or like that. that's kind of an easy one. If you want to even do simpler, do the smile challenge. Yes. Walk down the street. Smile. See if you can get one person to smile back at you. And the more that you kind of do this stuff, like I do a newspaper challenge where I try to get people's newspapers to read, even if they're reading them. Because a lot of times they're like, dude, I'm reading the newspaper. I was like, I know, but can I have another section? Uh, And even though it's not about getting free things or anything like that, it's more about how do I practice going uncomfortable so that other things just become a lot easier over time. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I will definitely consider doing those or some of those things i i hear you okay so noah let's talk about facebook you were employee number 30 at facebook and you worked with mark zuckerberg and you talked about how he was hyper focused i remember you talking about this in one of the podcast episodes and you said he 
had just one objective initially, and that was to grow engagement and to grow the user base in Facebook. You've now used a similar approach to spearhead the growth of several businesses, not least of which is AppSumo.com. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that, about focus and how you've used it and what advice you have for our listeners? Yeah. So here's the simplest answer. Uh, if you don't say no at least once a day, you're not focused. Okay. That's it. <laughs> so if you're not saying no to a meeting, if you're not saying no to a new idea, if you're not saying no to some type of marketing idea, if you're not saying no to like someone uh, suggesting something to you, you're probably not focused. And that is the easy measurement test uh, that I've realized for if you're actually focused on the most important things. Here's another way of doing it that that's also worked for us. Make a list. You have a goal, right? And Mark was very good at that. What's your goal? Make a list of everything you're doing towards that goal huh. and then cut half the list. Huh. So, hey, I want to sell $1,000 in my course. Let's take your course. Make a list of everything you could do to do that yep. and then cut half those things. Okay. And the more that you do that, the more you're focused on like actually the most important stuff and most likely you'll get the results you want. You know, at the end of the day, whatever way you do it is fine as long as you get the results you want. Steve Jobs used to do this. He was known for doing this. He would, you know, make a list of the top 10 activities on his getaways or top 10 things. And then he would say, okay, we can't do the bottom seven. We can only do three. And so that discipline of just cutting away everything that is completely non-essential is important, but not doing it just so you can say you're a minimalist, it's actually about doing the things that matter and not doing the rest. Stripping away the non-essentials is being more disciplined about how often you check your email or how often you respond to uh, messages or, as you said, say no to certain things like meetings. If the meeting doesn't have an agenda, if there's no clarity around why someone wants you at a meeting, then just say, well, you know what, maybe you don't need me there. I think that's great. I mean, uh, Steve Jobs is obviously an extreme example, and I don't know if people should model themselves after him. Uh, but I think there's things we can learn from almost anyone. Hmm. Like for yourself, I think what's interesting, like talk about focus and, and all these different things, like why, what, what are you waiting for and what's your plan around launching your course? Look, I, I want to make the course more like a system, something that's self-sustaining, something that will enable me to deliver value. And I feel like it still needs a little bit of work. So that's what's stopping me from doing it. One of the things that I've been told is I need to do more face to uh, camera video on the course as well. So that's something else I want to include. You know, I think the hard part with some of the, a lot of the online stuff today is that there's so much advice and there's so many different people with so many different opinions like, oh, should I listen to him? Do I listen to her? What about this? And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I think for yourself, you're, you probably already have a plan. So what's your plan right now? Do the video intros for the various modules in the course and then launch it. And what's your timeline around that? End of November. And then here's what I recommend. This is what's worked well for me. Do you want a punishment if you don't follow through? Okay. So what would be painful for you? Like legit painful? $500. Let's just do a thousand. Okay. It should be painful. If it's like, it's, it could be money. It could be lifting weights. It could be anything. So just as a thing that I've noticed uh, for me, I can't tell anyone else what to do. Only what I've learned is that number one, it's really good to have accountability. Yeah. Right. I think it's amazing. I, you have to have accountability and I think you guys should have some punishment. And so in any aspect of your life, like I have it for my health, I have it for my business. Go have some person that's going to hold you accountable to things you say you're going to do. And then if it doesn't follow through, they should have some ability to like kind of challenge you on like, hey, all right, well, you didn't do what you're going to do. You need to like have some punishment towards that. OK, so you're going to pay me a thousand dollars if you don't launch your course by November 30th, because that sounds awesome for me. I hope you don't do it. 
I think if you look at any successful any successful company, they all started. I'm like, well, no. I'm, what if about Tesla? They're building a car. I'm like, well, actually, the first car didn't really even happen. Elon had to take over the company. Then he got a, a frame from another company, an engine from a different company, and just put the, put it all together. And so he launched that within, I think, less than a year, the uh, the first version, which actually was pretty okay. Yeah. And then you know now ten years later, give or take, it's it's at a different level. Uh, so it doesn't mean that you can't do big things. It's just like you have to do them in incremental parts. So that's why I try to discourage people from taking a long time, uh, avoiding avoiding launching or avoiding getting you know the market's feedback about it. Hey, this is Ash Roy. Just going to pause the conversation there for a moment to let you know that I am pleased to say that I took Noah Kagan up on his challenge and I have now launched my premium productivity course since we recorded that conversation initially about a week ago. You can access this premium productivity course by going to premiumproductivity.com and for a very limited time, you can apply the discount code FEEDBACKNOVEMBER at the checkout to get yourself this course for a $300 discount. This is the first iteration of the course, which is your five-step framework to making a bigger impact on your business's profit and on your life while spending less time doing it. It's based on the idea that productivity is not necessarily about getting more done in less time. It's actually about doing the right things at the right time in the right sequence and if possible delegating the rest. And if you apply the discount code feedback November, it will bring down the price of the course from 497 down to 197 and I would appreciate your feedback on how I can improve the course. If you do provide me with feedback, I will make sure you get access to the next iteration of the course for free. I intend to launch the next iteration of the course at a higher price than 497. So go ahead to premiumproductivity.com, use the discount code FEEDBACKNOVEMBER and get yourself a $300 discount available for a limited time only. Now back to the conversation with Noah. How do you deal with the challenge where you don't want to hurt your brand because you want to put out good quality content? You put out content that is subpar and does that ever worry you that, you know, that will affect your brand in the market? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even on like on LinkedIn, for instance, lately I'm experimenting with like publishing things there and getting responses. And I have a guy that works with me that publishes stuff. Uh He helps write things and put it out on my account. And like he put some stuff out like I don't like using the word favor like do me a favor I just hate that okay or I don't like over promising like oh I'm gonna give you this cheat sheet that'll make your business rich overnight that's just not that's just not part of my brand that's not part of what I want to you know represent uh but I do think it's all about setting the the right expectation okay so if you say hey guys this is a very early version that's why maybe it's a little bit more cheaper that's why I'm giving it to you before everyone else uh there's definitely it's not as polished as possible yep then that's actually going to be okay, and then people are going to be fine with it. It's easy to stay in the kitchen working on the recipe. you got to let people taste the dish because that's the only way you're going to learn how to improve it and make it better. Okay. And maybe you only give it to the first five people, so you're not really you know, jeopardizing a lot of revenue and all this other stuff. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I like to look at it. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You probably didn't think you were going to talk about that on the show. No. I think sometimes vulnerability is very appealing. Like a lot of times I share why I'm being bald or that, you know, I'm having, I'm not making as much money or, you know, me, the more that you kind of like people say, oh, you're so honest. It's like, it's not about just trying to get more honest to get more sales, but there's something there about having a connection with people, uh, from being straightforward and like being, um, 
I guess, vulnerable, really, about what you're going through, and people can actually relate to it, and they'll probably like you more. Okay. So let's talk about your podcast. You've recently launched a podcast, which is called Noah Kagan Presents, and I'd love to hear what your findings or your learnings have been from having launched that podcast. You've also launched a YouTube channel. When I last checked it, it had about 23,000 subscribers. How would you compare and contrast your podcast with your YouTube channel, and which is working better for you at the moment? Uh, well, it depends how you define working better. And I hate when people say stuff like that to me. Like I say A or B, they're like, we'll see. Um, you know, I would say that the YouTube channel is a little bit more predictable to to grow. Okay. What I mean by that is, you know, I do X and then Y happens. With the podcast, we'll do a lot of promotion. We'll do a lot of, you know, marketing around it. And then it's kind of a mystery what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. So I, I enjoy things that are a little bit more predictable with that. The podcast has been a great medium for kind of exploring just another another way of content, huh. right? Like I'm so used to blogging and I kind of resisted doing video and podcasts for a long time. Huh. Uh, I think you have an opportunity in business before everyone figures it out. So I did, I put up these like YouTube videos where I was like half naked uh, about three years ago. Right. And I got like 5,000 views, tons of you know interest without doing anything. And because I stopped, you know, it went down. And now when I put out videos that are even like, they're probably about 10 times higher quality, it's much harder to get the the views. So I think one, you know, one takeaway is that there is something to be said for uh, being one of the first movers in new mediums. So Snapchat, Periscope, Instagram, whatever it is, like it doesn't mean that the game's over. But I would say that over time that the quality bars have to get higher uh, for you to stand out. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's definitely one thing. Um, there's always room in every market. Uh, you know, people. There's always more restaurants that could be open. You just have to figure out your angle. I'd say the podcast one has been one of the more. It's been one of the funnest, and I, and I think one of the messages I want to relay is that find things that you would work on for free. Yeah. And that podcast, I don't make. I make zero dollars. Okay. Uh, and because of that, I'm just so excited. I'm like, dude, I don't have to make money. I don't sell anything. Uh, And I would do it whether I made money or not, because I just enjoy the idea of talking with people and then sharing their stories. I do think that there's something to be said for doing something that you would enjoy, that you would do for free. I I totally agree with that. In fact, you know, in certain sales circles, it's believed that, you know, financial remuneration actually can be a disincentive after a certain point. I agree that podcasting is kind of really hard to measure in terms of analytics, and the analytics are still in the Stone Age. My understanding was iOS 11 was going to come up with these this new release and they were going to give you a whole lot more information about what people are listening to, which part of your episodes they're listening to and so on, but I still haven't seen that actually come through in terms of the analytics and I don't know how to access it. But I'm hoping that that will make podcasting a lot more measurable and therefore more commercial, which I think will be a good thing for podcasting. Yeah, I mean, if it comes out, I think it'd be very helpful. I think what's interesting is just uh, like being aware of the different mediums that people all experience. Because if you think about it, podcasting is like there's a, actually a very small audience that does it and they do it on their commutes or they do it at the gym or they do it when they're cooking. Whereas yes. a, a YouTube person is probably, you know, I have a problem, I'm searching for it. Yes. Or, oh, here's a suggested video related to something I'm seeing. And then you have to contrast that with like a, a blog post, right? A blog post is now something probably more social related or potentially long tail. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, 
it's it's been interesting uh, to, to to be aware of that. And I don't think we, most people, or I never thought of that before I started doing it. I think the intent matters a lot. I mean, I think when you're on Facebook, for example, your advertising is effectively interruption-based advertising, at least in my opinion, because largely we go to Facebook to hang out. Whereas usually when I go to YouTube, I go there for a solution. It's a search-based intent. It's solution-based search, I should say. And so you're more likely to convert content into a sale on YouTube as compared to, say, on Facebook. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's very true. You know, the funny thing, though, is that people are spending a lot of ad dollars on Facebook and it is working there. Because they can be very targeted. Yeah, you know, definitely. No, definitely, man. So it's just interesting to be aware of, like, what medium are you actually great at? And then what medium makes the most sense? Like, as another example, podcasts, what I've noticed is that most people don't find me on a podcast and they say, oh, I love Noah and I can't wait to like hear more about this guy. Right. Most people probably hear me on another podcast and then follow me on Twitter uh, and then check out my blog, OK Dork, and then you check out AppSumo or Sumo and then they follow me on podcasts. Podcast is kind of like for the people that are the, kind of the most interested to yes. hear what you have to say. Yes. Uh, whether the lighter things uh, are a little bit more easier for people to, to digest from you. And it's great for building engagement as well, because I think that, as you said earlier, people are listening to podcasts while they're at the gym or while they're cooking or while they're running or whatever. And so the depth of engagement and the length of their engagement with each episode is much longer than, say, YouTube, where I think the average is about, what, three to five minutes or something like that. The attention spans are much lower because the screen really is a battleground, right? There's all these notifications and we associate our screens with work and overwhelm. Whereas when we're listening, we can use our imagination. We can do other things. We can do it while we're driving. So I think podcasts really build trust and depth of engagement, whereas video builds instantaneous connection. So they, they can complement each other, I think, the two mediums. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think there's different like levels of commitment. Like a YouTube video, I can watch six minutes of it and I'm out or three minutes or one minute. Yeah. Whereas a podcast, I have to go to the app and find the app and find the person and do it. It's like a lot more steps to actually be involved with it. So I wouldn't be able to necessarily build that instant trust with you on a podcast because there's too many barriers to access. But if you discovered me, say, on YouTube and you found some content that was useful, you might go, OK, let me check this guy's stuff out. Oh, he's mentioned he's got a podcast. Then I'll go and take the trouble to find it, find out, download some stuff. And then when I'm driving, I might be listening or while I'm on the plane, I might be listening to some content and I go, OK, yeah, this is interesting. And then I start to really engage. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, it's normally like a gateway. Yeah. You know, what's the what's the gateway marketing to, to get people excited about your your business? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a there's a clear correlation between what you record and what you do on YouTube and the results. So you can it's more predictable. Because it's more predictable, is that something you see yourself doing a lot more in the future, even though you had a bit of a, a, a bit of a gap and things slowed down a little bit with your YouTube channel? Yeah, I mean Yeah. Yeah, I think the point is is do more of what works. I, I think in business we do a lot of things. you know, what I've noticed is a lot of us do a lot of different things and we maybe aren't doing the, the most, uh, we're not sure which ones are working, so we just do a bunch. Yes. And I think the more that people can like dial that in, the more effective they're going to be. Okay. And what do you feel is working best for you at, at the moment out of all your content marketing platforms? I would say LinkedIn for sure has been the most effective. Oh, it's got business people who are you know in business looking for business related things and that's generally what I'm appealing to. It's kind of what you said about Facebook ads. It's very targeted, but you're not on Facebook to go click ads. You're on Facebook to kind of waste time and look at your ex-girlfriend. Yeah. 
LinkedIn, it's like I'm there to network. I'm there for business related information. It's kind of they've done a good job of really focusing in on that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm noticing I'm getting good results okay. from that. Cool. And so what kind of content are you putting on LinkedIn? Is it written content or video content? It's it's basically stories with some links once in a while. So we've, we've been experimenting with a lot of it. And I think I'll probably share the data around that uh, in the next few weeks or months. But basically, it's, you write a story related to something that that's teaches somebody something. And at the bottom of it, just say, like, if you want to learn more about it, uh, link, you know, go here to read. Okay. And are you posting that as a post on LinkedIn or you're posting that as a status update? I think there's two kinds, right? You can post an article on LinkedIn or you can just do like a, a status update, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just do the status updates. That's the thing that I think a lot of people are doing. Okay, cool. And that uh, typically, how long is that? About 200 words or 500 words? Do you have like a... I think you only get like 500 or less. Okay. So, okay, that's pretty cool. That's good to know. I might try doing a bit more of that as well. Are there any books that you recommend or you've got a lot of value out of? I'm reading right now. The one I would recommend is go read. uh, It's called Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay. It's one of his newer books. He has his stuff publicly. Uh, highly recommend it. It's just got a, it's a good story. It's a fun read. Cool. All right. So I'm going to try and sum up our conversation and see if I can get some action steps out of this for our listeners. So we talked about launching things when they are good enough. Don't wait till things are perfect. We talked about the importance of focusing on fewer things. You talked about the importance of saying no to something at least once a day. Use that as an indicator of being more focused. We talked about the fact that being first to market in some mediums is a worthwhile exercise and there's something to be said for that. So if there's a new medium coming out and you're good at it and it's something you want to develop further, then you should try and get on that medium before everybody else is on there. And you explained how your YouTube channel was getting great results initially and then you had a bit of a hiatus. And then afterwards, when you went back and created much better quality content on your YouTube channel, you weren't getting as much engagement as you expected. We talked about the importance of understanding the intent with which our users approach certain mediums. So someone would be on Facebook generally to hang out. So your your Facebook ads would by definition be more kind of interruption based because their intention of being on Facebook is there to kind of hang out, not necessarily to look for a solution to their problem. Whereas if they're going to YouTube, they typically are looking for a solution to their problem. So you're more likely to convert your content into sales. That's all I... Dude, you got it all. And how do our listeners find out about you, Noah? And where can they go to yeah, learn more about AppSumo.com and get some of those awesome tools and more importantly, apply them in their business? Yeah, I would say uh, go to AppSumo.com to get deals for your business. Go to Sumo.com, which are tools to grow your email list. And then if you want to hear more of this voice, it's uh, the Noah Kagan Presents podcast. Okay, well, we'll be sure to link to all those in the show notes. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you can access all the content at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 147. Thank you very much for being on the show, Noah. And I hope to have you back again one day. All right, Asteroid. Keep it real, brother. Thanks, man. Sayonara. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?